0: welcome to from the magic pencil voices of writing through our goal is to amplify the voices of people whose stories need to be heard really happy to introduce my friend jason Barron. i've known him for a while we actually went to university together although we didn't know each other at university jason has founded this fabulous organization called the Chelly Foundation, and they work in a very small and rural community in Cambodia. And I'm really looking forward to hearing his thoughts about Cambodia and education there and learning more about the Chelly Foundation as well. Okay, maybe you could talk a little bit about um, how we met and where you live now and who you
1: are. Oh, I'm Jason Barron and I live in Bethesda, Maryland, but I grew up in New England. You know how I came in contact with writing through Sue? I don't know whether you remember this, but I typed two words into LinkedIn. I typed Wesleyan and Cambodia, and up you came. But you, you don't work in Cambodia, right?
0: What has your career been?
1: I've spent 40 years as a lawyer in Washington, DC. Perhaps I can explain how the Shelley Foundation came to be. Sometime back, about uh, nine years ago, a woman named Nan Knopp started assisting my mother, who was in an institutional facility here in the DC area. My mother had MS and, and Nan was extraordinary in her services to my mom. And when my mother passed away in 2012, I felt a need to do something for Nan. Her backstory is amazing. She lived through the Khmer Rouge era. She was walking one day to school with a, a young friend and uh, it's elementary school. And the friend was blown up by a mine and Nan had shrapnel. She's lived a life of uh, being in a very poor community. Anyway, uh, with that backstory and with her extraordinary care of my mom, I wanted to do something. And so I, we decided we would build a library in her village, uh, a library for children at the high school. It's the first Freestanding library at a public high school in Kampot Province.
0: Yeah, I was just going to say, in Kampot, for people don't know who don't know the geography of Cambodia, is south of Phnom Penh. You have a little city there, but it's really very, very rural, isn't it? It's really kind of
1: remote. Uh, the area around Kampot is rural and remote, and the Chumkuri district is a very poor place. The people who live in the village that Nan grew up in, life is difficult. It is subsistence living with rice farming. The children grow up without necessarily enough to eat in terms of breakfast in the morning, and there's no running water in the village or electricity in the village or surrounding hamlets. And it's a, uh, you know, it's an experience that uh, few of us that have grown up in the United States. In relative privilege, you know, have have as their life experience, and so when I went there, I was overwhelmed by the warmth and generosity of the children and the people in the village. There were almost a thousand kids from the high school who came to the dedication, the Chelly Library that named after my mom, and so I walked away from that experience saying, "I got to do more." The library is good, but you know, in terms of people's lives, children's lives, we can do more. And so I've kind of dedicated myself, as you have Sue, doing whatever I can for children in that village. The high school that I built the library in didn't have bathrooms for for students, and the area schools don't. And so we built those kind of facilities in three schools. We've given away dozens and dozens of bicycles to kids who walk up to 10 kilometers each way. And we do field trips, we do other kinds of activities, school supplies, all sorts of things. The the thing that I'm really proud of is that high school students who have learned English well and have done very well on the 12th grade exam for Cambodia, we sponsor and we've sponsored 25 kids so far, uh, 22 of them young women, to go on full ride scholarships to universities in Phnom Penh. And that's kind of amazing for girls who really would either stay on the family rice farm or go work at a factory.
0: One of the things that I love about the Chelle Foundation too is that you don't just stay in the village and do your a little bit of education there. I mean, you really support the children kind of in their their whole family lives. You follow them as they move out of the village into the university. You give them emotional support as well as financial support and educational support while they are in university. Because I know I have seen, and you certainly know how difficult it is. It's one thing to get educated enough so that you could get yourself accepted into a university in Phnom Penh. But then it's another thing to move from a tiny little village in the middle of nowhere away from your family
1: to the big, crazy city. You're, you're right. And we care about our students. And we of course, we care about the children in the village, too. I would like, when I was surrounded by hundreds and hundreds of children, I'd like to give scholarships to all of them. But of course, that's really not doable to scale like that. So we're doing some. I can tell you that the principals of the schools in the village of Snail and surrounding hamlets in Shumkuri, a tribute to the Chelly Foundation, something that's really quite remarkable. When we started, only about 50% of 12th graders passed the national exam. And due to the library and due to incentivizing children that they could get a scholarship, the pass rate is now 80%.
0: The Khmer Rouge, of course, killed everyone who had any education. They were looking to develop an agrarian society. And so there was no school. There were no teachers. And people grew up being afraid of education. Why should their children go to school? We need them to work the fields. But seeing what they can accomplish, and you're helping to show that, I would think is really having an impact far beyond the individual students that you're helping.
1: You know, there's a long legacy of the Khmer Rouge that continues to this day because Cambodia just doesn't have infrastructure, doesn't have the kind of entrepreneurship that other uh, Southeast Asia countries have been able to have. And, you know, Nan tells the story of uh, a sister of hers who tried to read under like a candlelight in the era of the Khmer Rouge and but was worried uh, that there was kind of these roving gangs of individuals who would find students who are actually reading a book and, and then terrorize them. Things are better in some sense, but it, it is a very poor uh, existence for, for many of the students. And the great thing about writing through, if I wanna move to that, is that you are doing exactly what students need. As you
0: know, the, you know, the public schools are half days, even now. You to go yeah. to school
1: for half a day. What I really love about your program is that the requirement, uh, that, um, the push to have students stand up at the end and demonstrate that they, you know, and read their, their poems, their stories. And I, that is something that isn't emphasized in the schools at all, to my knowledge. And I think it's great.
0: Yeah, we like to think of it as frightening them, (laughs) you know, Hmm. let's get them really scared but not so scared that they're paralyzed, you know, and then once they get up and do the scary thing and say, oh, I could do this, then they know that there are other scary things that they could do, like going to the big city and going to university. yeah, I'd love to hear you talk about, I know that you've had some amazing success with um, a couple of your young women students. And of course, you know it's it's the girls, the smart girls who are the first to get pulled out of school.
1: Well, I'm proud of um, of all, all of the young women that that we've selected because in the vast majority of cases today, they all have worked really hard. Eight have graduated with four- year degrees. They're in offices in in banks, in accounting. In the hotel industry, one is a uh, had a chemistry degree and is working in a pharmaceutical company and is just wonderful. But they're so all of them I'm really uh, proud of. And uh, one's a fifth grade teacher and she's she's great. There's a remarkable story and it partially involves writing through because I uh, made an effort in in my last trip to Cambodia to to try to get an organization called the Harpswell Foundation which is kind of a leadership academy during college or university years, to um, interview students from our high school uh, to uh, have them come to the program. Harpswell takes only 20 young people, 20 young women a year from all of Cambodia. There are hundreds and hundreds of people who interview with Harpswell. And we had a young woman named Jaria, who two years ago was picked and then we had a second young woman, Rita. And Rena, I am really happy to say, credits writing through for her part, her her English being better and her confidence being better. Harpswell only picks people who can speak English, and. Uh, young people who demonstrate some proficiency in English and the potential for some leadership skills. And so to think that somebody holding up one of those writing through certificates, like a year later, has been picked as the second Shelley scholar to be at Harpswell is absolutely amazing. What's even more amazing is that Jari and Rita were literally next door neighbors in their houses In Shimkhri, and I don't think that's ever happened before in Harpswell. They take, they draw students from all over. This leadership program, you know, they go to school, university, and then they all reside together. They have the opportunity to meet people from all over the world and to experience, you know, what everyone would want was a rich experience. All sorts of activities aimed at um, giving them the confidence and leadership skills to be to make something of themselves in society, and many students at Harpswell have gone on to other countries to have graduate degrees. They come back to Cambodia and they participate in all sorts of ways. And so to think of two of our 25 young people coming out of Chumcree, I, I i mean, this just gives me a lot of joy. And one of them um, credits you, Sue.
0: Well, you know, it's thrilling to me to think that you know our program has been able to to help her and to be a part of this incredible trajectory that her life has taken. It's just an amazing story, and it's amazing work that you do. I'd love it if you could read a poem from one of your students. Could you do that for us?
1: I thought you'd never ask, yes. So (laughs) the second workshop that you conducted, there was a, a girl named Malika, and she wrote a poem called In the Dry Season. It's a short poem. I'll just read it here. Okay. In my village, all the farmers are so worried about their rice fields because the weather is rather hot. And also there is no water in the fields. I want to help them, but I cannot. So all students don't want to be farmers, including me. I don't want to meet events as them because it is rather difficult. So I should study hard, and get a good job for my life." That poem encapsulates the challenge of students in, that, in the area. <music> Virtually all of these students are going to struggle. Global warming, we have been importing rice to poor families. Two of our students went around to 15 poor families and gave them food supplies. Um, there is a problem with hot weather where there isn't as much rain that comes in the rainy season now the students don't want to all work on family farms there needs to be at least the opportunity for many of them to find jobs somewhere and help their families all of our scholarship students do that with part-time jobs covid has been a challenge some of them have lost their jobs but you know they'll they'll have jobs again and i just think this this poem is sort of for a for Malika, she sort of has just summarized the challenge.
0: You know, now that Riding Through is, of course, continuing in Cambodia and in other places in, in Southeast Asia, but starting to focus as well on the U.S., I would be interested to hear what you think it might be like for us to be working here. And you, who raised your
1: own daughter in
0: the U.S., What your thoughts might be about how writing through can work in in the u.s
1: well there's inequality in the u.s just like there's tremendous inequality around the world and um, i would think that your program would be a beautiful addition just would be great maybe as an after-school program or you know during the hours if if a school allow you to to um, get students engaged There are lots of students who, for various reasons in this country, are just, um, do not focus as well as they should on success in school. And a program like yours would be perfect.
0: Everyone should have their magic pencil. I should send you a magic pencil. Your students have the magic pencils, but I don't think that you have one.
1: I I don't, so please, please do. I
0: will.
1: I'm kind of amazed by many of the students. Some of the students write these beautiful letters. I, I just love it that they're, you know, they can tell stories. And and Rita from, uh, did be part of writing through is one of them. And uh, there are others. And, um, and I would hope that, you know, their skills only improve.
0: Yeah. And they don't allow their backgrounds to stand in their way, which in itself takes a lot of bravery. You know, so the, the way that we work together, you know, Chelly is an important partner. And we always talk in writing through about the organizations we work with. They're our partners. And um, those partnerships, the partnership with Chelly is, is it feels very much like that. That, you know, you are doing what you're doing and we come in and we add a little bit of something to what you're doing and together we lift these students big thank you to Jason for taking the time to talk to me. If you would like to find out more about the Chelly Foundation and what they do, you can check out their website at thechellyfoundation.org. Chelly is spelled C-H-E-L-L-Y. Or check our show notes for the link. Please join us again next week when I'll be joined by Patty Beerley, another long-term writing through volunteer. We can discuss all sorts of things, including how she got involved with riding through her experience living as an expat in Singapore, and her career as a trainer. Here's a short clip. But also, I think the personal challenge of taking yourself out of something that's very comfortable and then throwing yourself into something where you really have to dig deep and learn something new, I think is a great growth experience. And it, trust me, Singapore is easy. <laughs> Not like I was being dropped into the middle of a desert somewhere and had to figure it out. We really hope you are enjoying this podcast. We have lots more to come, so don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. If you can please rate and leave a review for us, that would really help our fledgling podcast reach a wider audience. Also, a personal recommendation can be great to bring in new listeners. Thank you for listening. See you next week. From the Magic Pencil is a collaborative product of the staff and volunteers of Writing Through, including founder and executive director Sue Guiney and deputy director Kristen Schuster. It is edited and produced by our operations coordinator, B. Rice. We would like to give special thanks to our interns, Rachel Walkman and Eva Phelps, without whom these podcasts would not have been possible. If you are interested in donating, volunteering, or partnering with Writing Through, or just finding out a little bit more about what we do, you can check out our website at www.writingthrough.org. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn, or email us at info at writingthrough.org. Until next time, thank you so much for listening. Ever onward!